in calamity. I hereby call to order this meeting of the International Mad Scientist Society. As you know, it is time for the Mad Scientist Society's annual Most Evil Invention in the World contest. Yes, esteemed evildoers. You have had all year to work in your secret laboratories on an evil invention that will shock the entire world with its dastardly design. Who's first? <laughs> I am Dr. Micronox, and the most evil invention in the world is my shrink ray. It can reduce a monument to the size of a toy. I'll have the Eiffel Tower on my keychain and Mount Rushmore as a paperweight. <laughs> oh, 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 very evil, Dr. Micronox. I guess bad things do come in small packages. <laughs> <laughs> Who is next? I am the Baroness Antarctica. My entry for world's most evil invention is the freeze ray. Oh. I shall encase all the world's most famous monuments in solid ice. <laughs> so chillingly evil. <laughs> okay, who is next? Hey. Hi, guys. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, um, my name is Roy, and uh, I... Um, and for the most evil invention in the world contest, I invented a, uh, a child molesting robot. I beg your pardon, what? Um, oh, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll speak up. Uh, it's a robot that is designed to molest children. And uh, I call it uh, Robo Chomo. Uh, you see, it's powered by solar rechargeable fuel cells and it costs pennies to manufacture. Uh, and it can, theoretically, uh, molest twice as many children as a human molester in, quite frankly, half the time. Um, so, uh, do I win the contest? Hello and welcome to the Stool Pigeons. I'm Harrison Davenport. And I'm Jack James Wood. That was a shout out to Molestrios, our Middle East correspondent and uh, slave robot's father. He was the prop for the child molesting robot. Yes, and for those of you who don't remember Molestrio, he was featured on one or two episodes, I believe, uh, maybe a month back. But what we did was we have been saving up our Patreon money. So we've saved up, what, about $45? in Patreon money, and we uh, have shipped him to Gaza, uh, but it's been very, very slow. Yeah, and he, you know, reached out to us not too long ago, and he said that he has a bombshell feature, and a lot of the groundwork that he's done in the Middle East is going to form the basis uh, for this show. So we have a lot of insights into the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. We need to go out to our correspondent in the Middle East, Molestrios. Thank you, Jack and Harrison. I'm in Gaza City reporting to you live from the ground. I have a bombshell for you guys.
Oh, good God, I believe Molestrio's dead. Well, that's not going to be uh, good at all. It looks like Molestrios got into the middle of a Israeli airstrike on the... Let me look at the name there that I can see from the television. It looks like it's the uh, Innocent Victims Apartment Complex. Oh, good God, man. And I did not pay for any of the backups on Molestrios. That was a feature that I did not enable because we had to pay for him to go, you know, uh, what, six class air to Gaza and we didn't even bubble wrap him. Yeah, and that was $17. It was pretty clear that he was not going to be treated very well by the Palestinian uh, Authority or Israelis. Well, he actually was shipped uh, by boat, we found out, because I was able to negotiate a rate, but apparently we had to let Molestrio be raped by all of the sailors. That was part of the agreement of getting it so cheap. Well, that but that ran into the family, though. I mean, his father was a professional child molesting robot, so Molestrio's not only like being raped, but he actually liked to do some raping. Yeah, that is good. I mean, it's uh, good that he's getting back to work. We really thought that was going to be useful so much for our new uh, new news clip that we had planned. I mean, shit, I don't know what we're going to really do. That was really had like 30 minutes planned there with them. Without Molestrios giving us incisive commentary into the conflict between uh, Palestinians uh, and Israelis, I mean, we don't know what's, you know, happening there. We don't know which side is wrong. Um, pro- I mean, probably the Israelis because a certain group does some diabolical stuff and there's the other side, the underdogs. Yeah. And those bastards just took out Molestrio. So, I was already pro-Palestinian, but now I'm even more so. I mean, Jesus Christ, like, I mean, you're just taking out fucking robots. Well, under under international law, they did have justification to use lethal force against Molestrios because he was in Hamas and also had an extensive record of child molestation. Mmm, damn. Yeah, and I believe he was also in another terrorist cell in the Middle East. Which one was that? Uh, there was Al-Qaeda, and then who was the, uh, what was the other one? ISIS. ISIS, there we go, yeah. I think he also had some uh, ties with ISIS as well. Well, you have to ask yourself, why did um, ISIS just fold a couple years back, and why did Al-Qaeda lose? It's because Molestrios got into the organization. We send him out to the Middle East. What, what happens? He dies. He dies unexpectedly. Th- these were the same kind of problems we had with him. He was always fucking breaking dishes, and just like the uh, Israeli airstrike, he would always fucking stand right in the middle of the road, always talking about, oh, I want to kill myself or whatever. It's like, shut up, Molestrios. You're a robot. You, you can't have feelings. There's no way that you can be suicidal. Yeah, I'm just really sad that we uh, aren't going to have any of that audio because I was going to document that as well. I mean, I was going to turn that into a full episode in and of itself. Just Molestrio's journey, his uh, three week journey to Gaza. Equally sad is, think about it, Harrison, all the children that are going to go unmolested without Molestrios. Yeah, it's a it's a real damn shame. I mean, also, I mean, he he was definitely uh, molested himself several times. Yeah, molested in, molested out. It's a vicious cycle, as they say. You know how it goes. The uh, molest- Keep it in the family, I believe, is the saying. Well, <laughs> I think it's the molestee becomes the molester, and another one bites the dust. That's what The Lion King was about, circle of life. Uh, but, so Jack, on a positive note, I mean, I, I know we were... Uh, Whoa, well, Harrison, you're, you're disrespecting Molestrios. I, I just wanted to say, before we transition to another segment, that Molestrios was an irreplaceable robot. He will be missed and loved. 
Well, um, I've actually been looking online on this uh, somewhat sketchy Japanese website that we bought the original Molestrios off of, and mm-hmm. it looks like there's 50% off on the same model if you wanted to replace them. Yeah, get another one of those pieces of shit. Okay, that sounds good. Do you want me to get the uh, British accent with this one, or do you want me to do another accent? If you could get one that's competent with the same level of child molesting, I think that's what I'm going for. Okay, so you don't care about the voice on Molestrio. You don't care if it's male or female. Uh, let's get a female uh, Molestrios because, you know, it always feels better when you're telling a woman what to do around the house. It feels natural. There's something about telling Molestrios who speaks as man, like there's there's something off-putting that I find unsettling when I'm like, Molestrios, go, you know, do the laundry or cook me dinner. There's something about the gender relationship between two men in a household that doesn't feel natural. It feels actually kind of wrong and it makes me feel like a homosexual, which is not wrong, but you know, that's just how I feel. Okay. So, uh, we do have some voice options here. If you, uh, if you want me to go ahead and go through those, we can, uh, pick one. If you want live on the air, we would let the audience vote, but we don't actually use our Twitter account and we don't know how to do polls. So let me see. All right. So we want a woman. So we have, uh, Lee Na, who that's a Chinese voice. We have uh, we have Dutch, Arabic, uh, UK, US, French, German, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Brazilian, or Spanish. Now, are there any models that do very efficient hand jobs? Mm, yeah, I think so. I'm gonna say that's probably gonna be of the Dutch variety and possibly Chinese. I would probably have to sell off my some of the mind med to get a robot that you know can do very efficient hand jobs so well the japanese sex robots are supposed to be pretty good we do have a japanese it's emmy i don't know if that's a man or a woman's name so well it looks like we're only a couple minutes into the show what are we gonna fill uh the show with harrison do we have anything just on deck lying around well i was kind of filibustering right there with uh with the uh you know picking the nationality so that might get cut, might not. I thought it was actually pretty good. I think the audience would like that. But yeah, so, uh, well, we uh, we do have a few things in the news, and uh, I think I can go ahead and play you a clip. In July of 2019, U.S. Navy filmed and photographed a spherical-shaped UFO and transmedium vehicle in the Combat Information Center of the USS Omaha, The new footage is unclassified. Still images of that footage were included in May 1st, 2020 of an unidentified aerial phenomena task force intelligence briefing as seen there on 60 Minutes and released by Jeremy Corbell. So no wreckage was found and no craft were recovered. Investigative filmmaker Jeremy Corbell himself, he joins us now to discuss that footage. Jeremy, let's lay out exactly what this footage entails and some of the questions that arise around the behavior of the vehicle that was was seen there on that radar. Yeah, so what we're seeing is a true UFO. And in fact, what's so interesting about this footage is it has now been confirmed by the Pentagon that it is actual Navy filmed footage. So you're seeing a thermal imagery. The the shot was taken at 11 p.m. at night. This object appears to be transmedium. It appears to be descending into the water from the air without destruction. And in fact, there were uh, attempts to recover wreckage or to find this vehicle under the water by a submarine, and they were unsuccessful. So really what we're seeing is 
astounding footage of an unidentified, a UFO mm-hmm. that is spherical in shape and, and large in mass, and it is going into the water. And that's why you hear splash, splash yes. as it's being recorded in the uh, command center. So Harrison, the Stool Pigeons has not come out and given any hints or any explanation about where it stands on uh, UFOs. What do you think? Yeah, so uh, Jeremy Corbell, I actually didn't really know anything about him, but it looks like he's uh, he's worked with Bob Lazar. So have you have you seen that guy before? I believe he's the guy that was involved in multiple different frauds and cons over the years, but claims to be a UFO researcher who was deep inside the government and the government claims that there was no record of him. I think I read an article a couple of months ago about that. Yeah, he was on Rogan a couple of years ago, from what I remember, and for some reason, I guess I didn't have anything going on, I went... (laughs) And I watched his documentary as well. I don't remember who produced it. It was, uh, yeah, it was basically Bob Lazar has no record of working there. And he seems like a strange guy, but you also feel like there's enough truth there, kind of like Alex Jones, to where you almost want to believe him on a few things. But then it's like, eh, I don't know. This guy also seems very sketchy, but... Does he claim to be degrees from MIT or Harvard or something? I remember in the article that I read a couple months back that he had claimed to have advanced degrees from Ivy League institutions and had worked in the one of the labs there. Yes, he he claims to be very well educated, but he said his background was also erased. So he said all of that information is gone and there's no record of him ever going to any of those universities. But the only published university that he has been known to have gone to was a junior college in L.A. Yeah, and that, that's a very common trajectory, which is to go to a junior college in L.A. that's no one's heard of to MIT or Harvard. I guess the government was so powerful that they were able to erase his records, but also erase the diploma that I assume he was handed after graduation. That's what I don't really get either, how the actual diploma is gone. So I, who knows? This guy's probably full of shit. I mean, he he looks like kind of a weirdo anyway. I don't know if you've ever looked this guy up, but he, he also kind of has a Stephen King look. Yes, he does. He looks exactly like Stephen King. He, he Yeah, he kind of looks like a junkie Stephen King because he's because, you know, Stephen King's a little bit flabby, whereas this guy, if I remember from the picture, is a little bit. Isn't he pretty thin? From what I can tell, yes. I mean, I haven't extensively looked at his photos. But anyway, so your question uh, before I started rambling was about the stool pigeon stance on UFOs. Yeah, or or what your thoughts are, because we might diverge on the topic. Yeah, I think the stool pigeons are just going to go ahead and be pro-UFO. Do I really believe in UFOs? I don't know. There could be some extra life out there, as we've said, or as I've said. Now, the Stool Pigeons actually wants to be clear. We are not pro-UFO. We are pro-alien, because if there ever is an Independence Day situation, we would like to be the official podcast of the war room for the aliens. We're going to take sides earlier, because if they have jet propulsion systems that allow them to just materialize out of thin air, yeah, we're going to pick the aliens, because we're going to get totally fucked up. I'm not going to choose the United States. Oh, it's the same as if China starts taking over. We will be quick adopters of Chinese culture and integrating ourselves with China. 
That is true. I speak fluent uh, Mandarin after taking four courses uh, where only one semester I studied and did the homework and actually did pretty good. This is kind of a um, sidebar here, but I was thinking about for uh, China, if they wanted to control their population, what they should do is just have, I don't know, half a billion of their population just parachute into the United States and kind of let it go. That's actually a good use of resources for China. But I would let's get back to the the serious issue, which is is aliens. Do you have any kind of theories about what they would be or what they would do or what you find compelling about, well, not aliens, I guess, but UFOs? So you're asking what my thoughts are on UFOs? Anything. So my thought would be, I don't really understand why these UFOs are coming here. And also, you would think if they had the ability to fly here, they would be able to be more covert in their operations. Also, you would think they would come here for a purpose. And you would think that they would be able to do whatever it is that they're doing, presumably observing the Earth from a slightly higher elevation that it doesn't correspond to the length of what an iPhone can capture. Right, right, right. And also, if they know we're here, that means they've done extensive research. So they have like a high res or some type of telescope that has the ability to just see light years, millions of light years into the distance. Because I don't think it's like a Star Trek situation. Like they've made it here and their society is this sophisticated, but they're this stupid to then get caught and then fly away. Yeah, in one of the articles uh, over the summer, there there was a, a piece about some people in Silicon Valley and people that were, for whatever reason, uh, high up in like DuPont and some other like large companies. They said that the U.S. government had had them analyze some of the recovered material from other crashes. And you would kind of think that if they if they really had that technology, we could at least get self-driving cars or any technology that works. That's in that Bob Lazar documentary. I remember him saying like the inside of the spacecraft was uh, very sophisticated because apparently they have a spacecraft at Area 51 that they have captured. They actually have one of the spaceships, according to Bob Lazar. Now, what was he doing at Area 51? What was his job? researcher. I don't know. I think he was working on, uh, I, I guess, just research. I really can't remember. I would have to go back and watch it. I'll, uh, I can give you more information after I watch some UFO documentaries uh, in a couple of episodes. Yeah, Harrison does a lot of uh, great prep work for this show. Always prepared, always reads the articles and always has uh, stuff to uh, say. But uh, back to uh, Lazar, I kind of wonder at some of those institutes, like if you have highly secret projects within the U.S. government and you have to have fairly large buildings, do they have janitors in those buildings or what? I guess so. I do. One thing I do remember is that the people who would be doing the research there, they would stay there for weeks at a time. Like they didn't just commute back and forth is what he said. He would take like a helicopter in and uh, then he would leave on helicopter, but he'd be there for a month at a time. There's a woman who wrote a book a couple years ago. I, can't, I think it's Anne Applebaum, but I could be wrong about that. And she speculated, and I think that there is at least uh, some evidence for the claim that the Soviet Union 
was engaged in a psyop where they had gathered together, presumably small people or people that were disfigured and painted them like green and then were able to through they were using some kind of uh, weather balloon. And then they flew it over the United States just to see if they could get a reaction and panic within the uh, American population. Hmm. And how did that uh, how did that turn out? Uh, everything turned out well. I mean, ever since Roswell, the United States has been going super great. <laughs> you know, I was thinking, too, if UFOs did exist or they had existence or they had evidence of extraterrestrial life, don't you think that Trump would have revealed that on Twitter? I mean, almost immediately upon figuring out that information. Well, if he had that information, I, I rarely would defend the intelligence community, but this might be a rare instance where I could be on their side if they were like, yeah, we're not going to give Trump that information. And you know that he didn't seek it out because he didn't read. Oh, he only read those morning briefs from what I saw where they always in the first couple of pages, they just took every news clip that was flattering to Trump and they just put those on the first couple of pages. He basically only read headlines from what I understood. And I mean, what would happen directly after the let's hypothetically game this out. The US president discloses all the information we have on aliens. What happens next? I guess that wouldn't be good. It'd probably cause a state of panic amongst people, but also a lot of people would say, "Hey, we're right." But yeah, yeah I guess but no, I'm just thinking about it too, but I guess that wouldn't really change anything. Nothing would be different. It's just we have extraterrestrial life. It would depend on how much info was leaked and how juicy the data was. The first question I would ask is, what's up with the raping? What's up with the raping? The aliens are always doing ass probes. What's that from? No, UFOs. You know how they're always probing people's ass? You know, alien oh. abduction stories? They always abduct somebody, and the first thing they do is do medical experiments. And one of the things their survivors remember is they're always getting stuff jammed up their ass. You don't oh, no, I don't. No, I don't remember that. Harrison did not watch Unsolved Mysteries as a child and was neglected culturally for not having uh, watched one of the greatest uh, cultural milestones of the 1990s. Okay. Well, I thought I was speaking to you, like asking you a question that was off the record, but apparently everything's on the record now. Yeah, I'm trying to think, um, you know, actually last year I was I was after the first videos that the Pentagon put out confirming that they had encountered a couple of uh, UAPs. I was more receptive to the idea that, you know, maybe the uh, UFOs are real. So I started going on to the UFO subreddit, which they have actually a lot of good people. It's equally divided between people that are true believers and will believe everything. And then there's just a small group of people that are constantly debunking everything. And I actually found myself in the gullible moron camp. And the reason is, I don't know what fucking stuff looks like at night. These people were like, oh, that's a satellite. Look at the GPS coordinates. Uh, this was launched. Oh, that's actually just like a Chinese lantern. In this uh, area where the phenomenon was seen, there was like some kind of celebration. Those are Chinese lanterns. Or there's all kinds of weird things like tank refuelers or airplane refueling things. And it's like, okay, yeah, I guess I'm an idiot. Yeah, I think I'm a fucking moron, too. I mean, I can barely identify a shooting star. I don't know any of the constellations. Like, I couldn't tell you anything that's going on in space. There also is a lot of people that that spend the time. Most of them are like video editors for decently sized, like small production companies, and they will just post plausible UFO videos onto YouTube and other places 
just so that they can get people to believe in it. See, and nowadays you would think we would have better footage since it's not like on a handy cam, like with a VHS tape, because we have high res cameras now. So you would think we could have some definitive proof if there was UFOs, like somebody would have captured it at this point. It seems like as time has gone on, and I literally have done no research into UFOs, but I assume we would actually have some more proof with with uh, with the type of technology we have now. And that's what makes me skeptical of the whole UAP UFO phenomenon, which is the military videos that have been released for the public and declassified show U.S. fighter jets in U.S. territory filming a hostile foreign threat and no one thinks or asks for permission to shoot it down. That is very suspect. Also, with all of the things that have been going on, as uh, Alex Jones always likes to say, uh, I think there's a lot of false flags out there as it relates to because I was looking and it says that the CIA actually acknowledged the existence of Area 51 in 2013. That was when they finally admitted that Area 51 existed. So it seems like they're releasing more information. So I think as you get more information, you should just continue to be more skeptical. Because the CIA, if they do one thing well, it is lie and plant false flags in people's minds. Well, that uh, overthrow governments and uh, destabilize the entire regions of the world and doing assassinations. And drug trade. And drug trade. They're very good at that, too. Well, that's the cool part that they do, though. Okay. Okay. Well, and uh, Jack, speaking of other phenomenon that is difficult to explain, uh, I think we're going to work our way into talking about Mark on the Green. Now, Mark on the Green is not currently a household name, but between me and Harrison, as we talk on the phone every day, his name is mentioned 10, 15 times in a hour-long conversation, and that's probably a very conservative estimate. Mark on the Green has fascinated us. Harrison, why don't you provide some of the context on how he came across Mark on the Green, what he means to us. Then we can talk about what makes Mark on the Green's popularity compelling to us and also his contribution to the stool pigeons. So Mark on the Green is a person who writes about his personal experiences on Reddit. And Mark on the Green has a bit of a cuck fetish. And we didn't know when we selected a Mark on the Green story for one of our videos that he would essentially be the reason that we're heading towards monetization. The first story that we read was Mark on the Green talking about setting up his wife to bang her boss. And he didn't talk about doing this with his wife. He actually reached out to her boss to set this up. And anyway, they end up going back to his house and the boss gives Mark on the Green the password for the camera system. Mark on the Green then watches them bang. This happens two times. In the second story, they then set up a threesome for the third story. And then the dentist bangs the wife and the best friend. And Mark on the Green is just explaining how hot he thinks this is. Maybe explain how Mark on the Green has been both a blessing and a curse to us. So Mark on the Green has been a blessing in that our current top video has about 
22,500 views. Our two videos combined have, I think, 33,000. And we had a third one. And that's where he becomes a bit of a curse because the third video got us a community guideline strike because Mark on the Green has a real obsession with talking about penetration and putting things in people's asses and eating ass and what else? I mean, he uh, has a fin- lot. Yeah, I mean, fi- any kind of penetration. So even, you know, finger blasting, ass licking, ball licking. He, he's really into a lot of uh, tongue play and he's into anal and he's into describing specifically where the cum lands after, you know, a little uh, he did a roll in the bed there. Yeah. And one of Mark on the Green's famous statements is, it felt like a punch in the gut while I was watching it, but I got over it and it made me so hard. I've probably looked into Mark on the Green a little bit more than Harrison. I don't know what that says about me, but either way, I have looked into uh, Mark on the Green quite a bit more. And I, I'm fascinated in Mark on the Green specifically for his almost ambiguous morality and also love for his wife. Because if you look into the background of him and his wife and the relationship, they've been together since the age of 16. And I believe they're both in their mid 40s at this point. And Mark on the Green stories are, well, they're not relatable, That that's for sure. But there is something that is relatable, related to love, which you wouldn't think in a Mark on the Green story where a guy just watches his wife get fucked. Because all every single one of the Mark on the Green stories is about enjoying the pleasure that his wife gets from having sex. Now, it happens to be with another man. I kind of find something beautiful in that relationship where he not only loves his wife so much, much that he's willing to allow her to get railed by a dentist that she is also uh, the employee of, but he enjoys watching her have pleasure. There is there is kind of a, an odd beauty in that. No, there definitely is. Mark on the Green is a very big pervert. He's definitely very polarizing as well for the audience because, man, we get some pretty psychotic comments from his stories, which if you guys want to view those, go ahead. You got to check out our YouTube. YouTube channel. We can't tell you everything. But uh, dude, you have to uh, tell the audience too that you've struck up a bit of a friendship with Mark on the Green. Well, let's don't uh, reveal too much. But yes, I have uh, been encouraging Mark on the Green to spend some more yarns for us because, uh, you know, that is just a money printer. I wish I could also encourage him to uh, use uh, less uh, penis related, cock related, penetration related descriptions that go on for paragraphs in his part threes and part four of his series. Do you have any idea or What's your theory? Because originally we had thought it's very weird that Mark on the Green stories are successful. And over time, you know, he, he's been a joke, but, you know, now he's almost part of the Stool Pigeons uh, family. And I have a soft spot in my heart for him. Why do you think that Mark on the Green transcends some of the better written stories that we come across and retell on YouTube? I think it's one of those forbidden fruit type things with Mark on the Green. I think there's a secretly a lot more perverts out there who identify with his perversions and his style of writing, while terrible, he's very good about getting his message across. Now, given he uses very graphic detail, but to me as well, I also have come to really like Mark on the Green because he is very ostracized on Reddit, too. I feel like we left that part out. His stories on Reddit get absolutely panned, but on YouTube, they are very, very popular. 
And what's what's weird about Mark on the Green is people, you know, they'll call him names, they'll badmouth Mark on the Green and say, oh, that you're sick, that you're a pervert, like, fuck you, like, why, why are you letting your wife get ass fucked by her employer? But the thing is, Mark on the Green is one of the most emotionally mature people that you'll ever come across. If you read his descriptions, he has these little paragraphs now. I mean, most of them are just like run on sentences and sometimes the same sentence repeats itself a couple times. But you notice, unlike a lot of the other Reddit relationships post or infidelity posts, or any of that other dumb bullshit where people just whine about their problems, Mark on the green is emotionally mature enough to say, look, do I have maybe a ping of regret whenever my wife is getting her ass licked by her employer? Yes. Does it make me feel a little bit lesser of a man? Yes. But guess what? I can get over that because I am a man. And then as soon as I get over it, I'm going to be jacking off and asking for passwords to the gas security system. Yeah, if Mark on the Green has also been posting photos of his wife to Reddit as well. And part of his trade is that he will give people pictures of his wife in return for what pictures of like someone else banging their wife. Is that yes. right? Yes. And there was a little bit of a dust up, uh, I think a week ago when someone was trying to pass off inauthentic pornography that was just blurry from Pornhub and trying to say that that was their wife. Well, you're not going to be able to do that with a guy that has the kind of keen eye like Mark on the green. He could sniff that out immediately. And he said, you can't do that. that that's just blurry pornography from Pornhub. You got to give me the real stuff because you know that Mark on the green, he's giving you just the pure uncut stuff. You can't go in there with just ripped off copied Pornhub post and say, oh yeah, this is me and my wife. No, Mark on the green is going to see that immediately and call it out for a scam. And so people are angry that they couldn't, they didn't get to see the Mark on the green's wife and the dentist. Also, where do you think Mark on the Green started out with these perversions, Pornhub? He worked his way up slowly. And when those didn't become enough, that's when he messaged her boss. And that's when his boss ended up banging his wife. And then he was like, you know what? I actually, maybe I am a good businessman and maybe I have grown Pornhub to be a huge international behemoth, but my real talent lies with writing. And so I'm going to retire and I'm going to post all these experiences to Reddit just as they happened. The funny thing is Mark on the Green doesn't actually write. He does all of his stories in voice memos and then and then he copies it into Reddit. There is something to be said for someone that understands breaking up stories into clear, concrete narratives where you have a beginning, middle, and an end. You have clear characters. Now, unfortunately, Mark on the Green stories that he usually does them in pairs of three to five. You can usually publish parts one and two, maybe. But after that, parts four and five are literally just descriptions of where the cum landed on somebody's neighbor's ass and who licked it off the ass. Yeah, they get pretty, pretty damn graphic. I mean, even for me, I was like, "Uh, I don't know about reading this one. But we did it because we owe it to Mark on the Green. We had to finish his story. Unfortunately, we didn't get to finish his story on YouTube, but also check out our Patreon for the final episode if you're into Mark on the Green. 
And if more people subscribe to Patreon to read Mark on the Green stories, we will go even further than Mark on the Green. We will find somebody that is that is like the QAnon compared to Mark on the Green and take it really to the limits. If that's what you guys want to pay for, that's fun. Which actually most of our subscribers are probably QAnon people as well. So I feel like we could just ask those people to send us in some of their real life experiences. Also, if you have any non-blurry footage of your wife that you want to send to the Stool Pigeon so that we can really do a deeper dive into Mark on the Green and his life to authenticate some of these experiences for research purposes, do that. Do that. So now consenting, of course. Yeah, you guys can send that to Jack's personal email. Maybe he'll give it out. Uh, I'm not really sure. I don't I don't know if we need to flood the Stool Pigeon's Gmail with more stuff like that. I'm already getting... Uh, a lot, lot of mail from uh, from our audience. That's and my address up. is Harrison Davenport at gmail.com. That's right. Actually, so the Gmail uh, was taken, so I think I have like an Outlook. Uh, but you can you can message us. It's at the Stool Pigeons Podcast at gmail.com. And feel free to always message me at Gay Rick Grimes, which is a real uh, email address that I have. I will take unsolicited complaints, uh, spam, whatever you have, just send it my way. It doesn't matter. Gay Rick Grimes, Dildo, and, uh, well, oh, Dick Dentist. Oh, Chinese James Bond is also another good one that you have. Yeah, and I have uh, some other ones that I'm not even comfortable saying on the still pigeons. <laughs> so for us guys, you, you know, it has to be pretty bad if, uh, if Jack's not going to say it on here, but you know, maybe we should uh, move on past Mark on the Green because we've been talking about him for 30 minutes. And I feel like this is a very inside story that we're telling here. It is, but we are also evangelizing for an obscure genius just toiling away, you know, churning out stories. And I, I've saved because I didn't realize that there is a story where Mark Green, he finally gets his day and he's doing some banging. So I'm looking forward to that. I might pop that out tonight and have fun with that. What are you popping out? Well, I would say my dick, but I don't actually jack off to uh, Mark on the Green stories. Plus, if I started suggesting that people should do that, then that's going to demonetize some of our YouTube. So I'm going to be popping out my personality as I read that and my insight into his deep psychological analysis. And then later, I'll jack off to Pornhub or something. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave Mark on the Green a comment for his next story, too. I'm going to put, this man is the beautiful mind of literotica. I think he'd appreciate that mark on the green email gay rick grimes if you want to you're welcome on the show we will do a segment we want to hear what you're like in life we want to hear what your you know your real self is like the uncut stuff you know not the, not the stuff you put out there for the public that's probably censored a little bit <laughs> good god if that is the censored version i cannot imagine but yeah we should try and have him on we do need to have a guest episode so it's mark on the green and then our space who is uh, our top two candidates right now okay listen to this i know we're moving on to the next segment what if i propose this we do a jerry springer type thing where it's like oh hey we got mark on the green it's like do 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 here's your wife and she learns about all the voyeuristic shit that he's been doing for the last like couple months or years it's hard to know what the timeline is we just have to we'd have to con him into giving 
giving us a lot of details so that we could actually figure out where he's at in his name and then contact his uh, wife. Dude, bring the dentist on too. Yeah, maybe get some free dental work. But the problem with that is we think it would be a bombshell because <laughs> we are the only ones that would care. Everyone else that was that would be listening would be like, who the fuck? They got like a local dentist, an employer, and like some guy who writes Reddit stories. Like, who the fuck are these people? But we would be intrigued and be like, holy shit, there's going to be a million people listening to this because they're all Mark on the Green story, uh, fans. Dude, that would be the best episode. I feel like we could, or we would pull our YouTube audience in. Oh, speaking of which... Oh, our YouTube audience would love that. They love Jerry Springer. I just realized that. We have a good cross-pollination there. Yeah. Well, uh, Mark on the Green, if someone has seen you this from our YouTube, um, please re-email me at gabrickgrimes at gmail.com. That's a real gmail.com. Hello. I'm Mr. Red. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course, that is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. A. Go right to the source and ask the horse, he'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. A. This is our longtime accountability segment where we go back and look at mistakes that the stool pigeons have made. And this is not necessarily a mistake as much as it is cultural ignorance on the part of Harrison, who last week, I know, because I got tons of emails at gayritgrimes.com or at Gmail. I got tons of emails. (laughs) If anybody has uh, gayritgrimes.com, please let me have that. Please let me have that. But no, I got tons of emails that were saying like, why did Harrison just dismiss your hilarious, interesting line about uh, a Mr. Ed type being in the Kentucky Derby and administering their own steroids. Well, guess what? Fucking Harrison doesn't know who the fuck Mr. Ed is. Yeah, I have no, I still have no idea who that is. I've never even heard that theme song. It sounded stupid. Harrison is not only illiterate, but he's also culturally illiterate. Mr. Ed was a television show that ran in the early to mid 60s, and it was about a mischievous horse who gets into hijinks and helps out his owner, Wilbur. Now, you would think, well, okay, I, I can get that. What does he do? Like not, like kick up some dust or something like that, or maybe, or, you know, maybe, uh, you know, kicks kick somebody that Wilbur doesn't like. No, Mr. Ed, in one of the episodes that I looked up today, he played for the Dodgers. Hmm. Okay. So, sorry, I was doing a little bit of work there for you. And I was looking at, uh, I was looking on GoDaddy, gayrickgrimes.com is available. If anybody wants to purchase that for the Stool Pigeons, we would uh, welcome that as a appreciated donation. Uh, But back to the real issue, which was Harrison, who's trying to detract from a very serious issue, not knowing who Mr. Ed is or the television show that ran in the 60s. And there's and Harrison, not only could Mr. Ed inject steroids if he wanted to, Mr. Ed went to college. 
So Mr. Ed could probably cook up his own steroids or order them and get away with it because that's what the television show was about. Him getting into very improbable situations and things turning very uh, chaotic. Yeah, interesting. So GayRickGrimes.LGBT is also available or GayRickGrimes.Club, GayRickGrimes.Me, or GayRickGrimes.Video. Hmm, that's interesting. I bet all of those are available because as soon as you post anything that has an image of gay Rick Grimes, AMC is going to sue the shit out of you would be my bet. Yeah, I didn't know that dot LGBT was a uh, domain. I had no idea that was a thing. Well, it does have a lot of letters in it. That's true. They should have added more. Let's see where this is at. But Harrison, uh, before we move on to the next segment, uh, I think you need to apologize to the American people for dismissing uh, one of the greatest uh, cultural landmarks in television history and to the Stool Pigeons listeners who were very disgusted uh, at what you did. Yeah, fuck the listeners and fuck Mr. Adam. I'm not apologizing to anyone. And I stand by that. Good God. Okay. Well, folks, he's canceled. GayRickGrimes.shop also available. And if Mark on the Green is willing to kill Harrison, he can be my co-host from now on. I assume that would not last very long and we would get banned from every platform except for A-Chan. Mark Mark on the Green would have to be more prepared than me, though. Like, he would actually probably do a little bit more work. Mark on the Green would come with just a thick folder of things and they would just be graphic descriptions of, you know, what somebody's ass cheeks look like open and what somebody's uh, tongue looked like when they were licking the cum out of someone's asshole. Oh, that is right. He did have a thing for like spreading ass cheeks, right? Was that also a thing? Uh, Yeah, that was also in there. That happens in uh, part two or part one of a different Mark on the Green story, which also started around when they were banging the dentist. And it is the husband of the wife's best friend who tells Mark on the green that he learned in the bedroom with the dentist that he uh, shot his wad on the uh, best friend's ass or on his wife's ass and the other dental hygienist licked it off and smiled. So that's the kind of stuff you get with Mark on the green. Last thing, Mark on the green stories, they say the word pussy to an uncomfortable level. Like, I just remember you reading that. I bet those stories combined, like, it probably says pussy like a hundred times. Well, unlike Harrison, I'm not turned off by the word pussy. I'm just saying it's pussy, asshole, and then like something going in the pussy or the asshole. For me, it's mostly the descriptions of penetration. There is so much penetration. Everyone's always penetrating and they're always just penetrating something. But it's never he like somebody like, oh, uh, the dentist penetrated her. It's like the dentist penetrated my wife's pussy very deep or like her ass. And it's like, good God, like you didn't have to add the extra wording. We knew what he was penetrating. Yeah, I I think we've got to get those tapes. I think we've got to go undercover on Mark on the Green and get those to verify the wife thing. Now I'm interested in it even more. All all I have to do is is, um, find a woman who will consent to uh, us having sex in uh, HD so that I can send to Mark Green as a trade. Okay, 
markonthegreen.com and we offer him a platform for his stories. Unedited. I don't know exactly yet whether we should agree to go into any kind of business or affiliation with Mark on the Green. I would probably want to do a, a brief background check before I signed any paperwork on that. Dude, we could if a, we hired a firm, they would laugh. Like they would just come back and be like, this guy is an extreme pervert. In no way should you even be reading his stories. And what I say to those people is, yeah, we'll be laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> well, I guess they didn't see Fifty Shades of Grey, which seems pretty popular to me. That Very like, true. Books and movies. Yes, she did. Okay, Jack, I think we've talked about Mark on the Green long enough. Let's go ahead and do our good and bad things of the week. And I'll go first. The winner of the week for me, J&J vaccine, one and done. Uh, loser of the week, the fact that we still have hypodermic needles to stick into people's skin. It's barbaric and it's medieval torture. Okay, so my good thing of the week, this is a soccer thing, so you're not going to be into it at all, but the goalkeeper for Liverpool came forward in the final seconds of the match and headed home the winner for Liverpool, which kept them in contention for the Champions League. And, you know, it's very rare for a goalkeeper to score because they're the furthest person away from the goal, typically. Bad thing of the week. My AirPods were completely broken, but that leads me to another good thing of the week. Apple gave me a free pair of AirPods because mine had a a defect that I found online and I was able to return them and just get a new pair. I'm going to go ahead and revise my bad thing of the week. Uh, I am going to strike out uh, hypodermic uh, syringes or needles and say Harrison's segments about good and bad things of the week, which are always dog shit. (laughs) i was actually prepared this week too damn that's even worse anyway let's head off to lightning round do we have a sound effect harrison you're transported into the body of one youtuber for one year who do you pick So I'm going to pick Mr. Beast. I didn't really know about this guy. His videos include, I got hunted by a real bounty hunter, uh, $100,000 game of tag. Would you sit in a snake pit for $10,000? I was buried alive for 50 hours. You kind of get the point. But this channel has 62 million followers. So, I mean, dude, you know, the money's got to be pretty sweet. On top of this person has like five other channels that all have several million. That answer is absolutely wrong. The correct answer was Brenda Mondragon. So you could post topless selfies. Ooh, yeah, that could have been good. Harrison, next up, you get one question to ask a supercomputer and it will tell you the answer in perfect detail of any question you want answered. What is your question? And it could even answer what is that UFO thing all about? Mm, I think I would ask, how do I become a millionaire? No, the correct answer is you ask the supercomputer, are you gay? (laughs) 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 Okay. Okay, we'll just keep keep in the supercomputer asking whether it's gay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's see. And finally, Harrison... You're offered $5 million to play a variant of Russian roulette. 
before you, ten pistols, one loaded. You must pick a pistol, point it at your forehead, and pull the trigger. If you walk away, you do so as a multimillionaire. Would you take the shot? Yeah, I mean, I have a 90% chance of getting it right. That is correct, uh, because it doesn't matter with either selection. If you do end up killing yourself, who cares? You won't even know because you're fucking dead. And if you do win, you have $10 million. So uh, the answer to both of those was always yes. <laughs> okay, so that wraps up lightning round. Uh, Jack, do you want to go ahead and get out of here? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, usual reminders, everyone. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at The Stool Pigeons. You can subscribe to our Patreon. Just search for The Stool Pigeons. And then please rate, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcast. And don't forget, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search The Stool Pigeons. Also, the unofficial uh, Stool Pigeons uh, email account, uh, Gay Rick Grimes, will take whatever you have. Send anything you want in. Yep, domain possibly coming soon. All right, thank you for listening.